Hello, and welcome to the week eight version of the Lions Megapod. It is Matt Brown. It is Adam Candy. It is Steven Anders. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, and you should, it's Adam Candy. Two E's, no Y, Stephen Andrus, one, and Matt Brown, M2. And of course, you should be following all the stuff that the line does. It's absolutely free, so hit that subscribe button down below. And uh, as always, in the comment section, let us know what you think about this pod. Let us know if we uh, have a take that puts you onto a bet. If you have, if we had a take that made you go the opposite way, hell, we don't even care. As long as we give you some analysis that makes you feel like you put in a bet that is uh, is plus EV, then that's all we're trying to do right here, fellas. Coming off of a good week last week, so let's try and keep things rolling as we head over to London. And as we head over to London, we are here with the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sorry, London, we can't send you any good games. Things looked great on paper as we head into, as we were heading into the season. Sorry that you're getting this version of the Broncos and Jags. Jags are two and a half point home favorites in this one. 39 and a half is your total. Adam, as we look at this one, the Jags looked like they were on the right track. We were kind of even talking about it here on the pod. Hey, this defense is a little froggy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looking like maybe he can play quarterback in this in the NFL, added a couple of playmakers. Maybe this team will be good. Ah, well, that's not been the case. And of course, we know Denver has been one of the absolute biggest disappointments in all of the NFL so far this season. But my question is this, as disappointing as Denver has been, have we made too big of an adjustment because of our priors here that we're like, ah, I thought they were good. They're not. So it's the Jags are the favorites. Let us remember that this is a neutral field game. So on a neutral field, we do have the Jacksonville Jaguars as favored over the Broncos. And on a neutral field, as someone who had not significantly adjusted where Denver was for probably the last couple of weeks, I would actually make this a pick on a neutral field. Mm-hmm. And so my question is this. When we talk about the Denver Broncos, we talk about a team that has a below average offense and an elite defense. When we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, we talk about a team that has a well, average to slightly above average mm-hmm. offense and an average defense. I'm looking for the elite unit. The elite unit is the Denver Broncos defense. And what we've seen out of the Jacksonville Jaguars the last two weeks against opponents, they were favored to beat. We've seen them be able to move the football and not cash the football for points. That gets a lot more difficult this week against Mm -hmm. the Denver Broncos. So as much as I am not a huge fan of having to do this for a second straight week because it caused me all sorts of (laughs) agita to have to have the Denver Broncos in a tease last week, they got home. It doesn't have to be pretty, but I will take the Broncos again in a teaser this week, plus eight and a half with Russell Wilson, knees and all starting at quarterback. Yeah, Stephen, if we look at this, there are... There are four units that we handicap, you know, in this game. And we talk special teams a little bit, but typically it's both offenses, both defenses. We know for sure that one of them is good. And we don't know that about any of the other three. And we know for sure, as Adam said, Denver is not only good, but they are elite on the defensive side of the ball. We know Jacksonville is middle of the pack to below the pack when it comes to defense so far. Offense up and down. But we would say, I think somewhere in the middle of the pack, would we would all kind of agree on here with all of this. And so for me, I, I too, I want to bet on the elite unit. I want to bet on the thing that I can count on. And this Denver team has shown up for seven straight weeks and has looked really, really good on the defensive side of the ball. And I think they have enough to really make it a long day for Trevor Lawrence. And if you're going to be able to get eight and a half, and I know teasers have been horrible so far this year, but if you're able to get eight and a half in a game with a 39 and a half total, 
I think that that is the way to go. I mean, listen, guys, we can sit here and say, like, oh, I don't play teasers anymore because they hadn't been hitting. But, I mean, listen, historically, this is a smash spot for a teaser, uh, getting eight and a half in a 40-point game. And so uh, I'm not going to get off of something that's worked for me for over a decade. And so uh, we're just going to keep on rolling. We'll take the punches, I guess. I agree. At this point, the teaser is the absolute best way to play this game. With the total is only thirty nine and a half, which makes the points you're buying that much more valuable. If if I didn't already bet Broncos plus four and a half on Monday, we found a rogue number and we let our Discord community yeah. know about it Monday morning. So another reason: top right corner lines dot com. Hit the Discord button. Go to the roll server. And then hit the emojis to get alerts from each of our, our staff members because we got a, a crazy rogue plus four and a half here on Monday that uh, was gone in about 30 minutes after we posted it. So, uh, but, but I agree with you guys. We thought the Jacksonville defense was good for a little while now. And then last three weeks versus their season numbers, they've regressed a lot. They were 28th and 27th in EPA and success rate defense. That was against the schedule of the Texans, Colts, and Giants. Not good. So they've come back down to, you know, closer to what we thought they were coming into the season. And an interesting note here with Trevor Lawrence, Eli alerted me to this with his man zone splits. He is 31st in completion percentage versus man, 16th versus zone. And then in terms of passer rating, 27th in passer rating versus man, 10th in pass rating versus zone per player profiler. So, uh, the type of defense he's playing has made a big difference this season. Now, the Broncos are bottom six in man coverage rate this year, according to PFF, but they have shown a willingness to adjust based on the opponent. And we saw that the perfect example is when they played the 49ers earlier this season, when they doubled their man coverage rate in that game versus their season averages. And on top of that, Jacksonville doesn't have a single top 30 wide receiver. Christian Kirk appears extremely overpaid at this point. He's not a top 40 wide receiver by PFF. And the Broncos have Patrick Sertan, who's the number two corner in the league. So everything lines up here. Uh, I think that they game plan for this specific quarterback. And we see a little bit more man coverage with the corners that they have. And I like Denver here. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll, I will, I will take this to my grave. This offense cannot be this bad. Like, like there has to be some sort of positive regression in some way, shape, or form. Like, they might be a bottom third offense when it's all said and done, but they cannot be the bottom two. Like, it just cannot be in the bottom two. It's just it's it's impossible with Russell Wilson and the playmakers that they have or whatever. But uh, this team might not look like this team come next week if they lose this game because uh, we know trade deadlines here. We know that they've been inquired. You know, Jerry Judy has been called about. We know that there is some interesting stuff that could be going on with them. So uh, might be a last chance to bet on this, this version of the Broncos as well if you want to get in. Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. This thing opened at six, and I hate myself for not taking the six on the Panthers. It's down to four, four and a half now in favor of the Falcons. 41, 41 and a half is your total. Steven, if we take a look at this one, I don't listen. I understand. I am. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, the Carolina Panthers are good. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying here is that the Falcons secondary is an absolute complete mess down. Casey Hayward, Jalen Hawkins, AJ Terrell further. They get no pressure on the quarterback at all, which was part of our handicap last week of betting Cincinnati against this squad. And so now we look and if PJ Walker is just going to be able to sit there all day long and throw against, by the way, 
XFL level quarter cornerbacks, because that's what's going to be playing for the Falcons in this game. Uh, it's a Panthers or pass for me. No way I'm laying it with the Falcons. Uh, even at the, even at the four, it'd still be either Panthers or pass for me in this thing. I cannot imagine myself betting this version uh, of the Falcons. They don't even want to pass the ball. Marcus Mariota. We talk about how much the, the bears run the Falcons run just as much. Like they don't want to trust Marcus Mariota for anything. And so, uh, I think this is a pretty interesting spot for the Panthers to even win this thing outright. Yeah, I think they are live. Uh, and to your point, they have been bottom of the list in pass rate over expectation, the Atlanta Falcons, and it's flatline for four straight weeks. Like it's been consistently at the bottom of that list for four straight weeks. They want to run it more than anybody. And they are ninth and sixth in rush EPA and success rate. That's that's how they move the ball. But Carolina's defense is fourth and 11th in rush EPA and success rate defense. And it's been just as strong if you look more recently in the past three weeks. On top of that, the Falcons are slow. They do not operate a fast-paced offense. 25th in situation neutral. They are bottom two in the league in pace when they're leading by seven-plus points or trailing by seven-plus points. So they they don't care. They're just going to operate at the slow pace. So that's generally not a formula I'm looking for to back a team to cover a four-point spread as a favorite. So you add in the significant injuries in the secondary mat and pair that with a, a front seven that was already dead last in the league in pressure rate. This is kind of like trying to thread a needle here, it seems, for Atlanta to cover this spread. So uh, all that being said, with the situation we see in the in the AFC South with the Bucks now three and five, like hat tip to Adam for pinpointing Atlanta division futures. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. They are still plus 340 to win this division. I still think they're more likely than not to win this game. And if they do, then I think that number is going to plummet a little bit. Uh Adam, we take a look at this and we talk about teasers not really working out so far this year. I am never against an untraditional, a non-traditional teaser. Um, if you were able to take this four and a half up to ten and a half and get this on the other side of seven and ten, if you tell me the Falcons win this game by 11, I would be flat out shocked. I mean, with this defense, I yeah. don't mean that they have they're not able to stop anybody. And this Carolina defense. We can say what we want to about the offensive side of the ball. Trade away McCaffrey. Trade away Robbie Anderson. I get all that. P.J. Walker's going to be starting a quarterback. But the defense has shown up at least uh, you know more times than not so far this season for them. And actually, as far as the success rate uh, metric goes, they're one of the better defenses, the top 12, you know, top third defense in the league. And uh, I think they could keep this thing with the double digits for sure. So if, if the four made you squeamish and you wanted to play the non-traditional teaser leg, I think I'd be okay with that as well. I've seen a lot of the Carolina Panthers this year before last week, and there's a reason that the Carolina Panthers were 13-point dogs against Tampa Bay, and it wasn't all the priors that we had on Tampa. So is that the right play if you're going to play this game, Matt? Yeah, I believe so. I think you're right about where with where the total is if you want to play that double digits. That being said, we got on this podcast last week and talked about how P.J. Walker had done nothing but throw to the flats. So maybe they were just easing him in. Maybe it was a matter of not having enough time uh, to get him acclimated. I, I'm perfectly willing to, to go there. Let's talk about that division future that I mentioned two weeks ago. It said the Atlanta Falcons plus 650 uh, yeah. to win the NFC South at the time. And this is where I get to yell for just a moment about... Nevada sports books. Uh, 
I have more than a half dozen apps on my phone. Do you know how many offered division futures at that point of the season? Zero. Mm. None of them. There was no way to place that wager in the state of Nevada. And now, Stephen, I'm glad you're still seeing the plus 340 because I'm looking at a book from uh, across the country and seeing plus 220 uh, on the Atlanta Falcons. So right now, the only way I want to get involved with the Falcons is uh, with that. I'll pass on this game. Yeah, PJ Walker, they did a lot. They they cut him loose last week. Like they mm-hmm. they let him throw down the field a little bit. I don't know why, you know, I don't know what it was about, you know, everything, but I mean, if you look for him, he did, you know, he had a a 20-yard down the field completion, a 21-yard down the field, 29-yard down the field completion, different things like that. So I mean, they they let him they let him hunk, uh chuck it a little bit and I think that maybe uh, you know, YOLO, YOLO football should be in play for uh, the Falcons moving. I mean, for the uh, Panthers moving forward, you should you should definitely be doing that. And if he throws a bunch of picks, then so be it, because you want one of those top picks. Trust me. Chicago Bears at the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys nine and a half. So this came off the double digits. This was at 10. It's now nine and a half in favor of the Cowboys. Forty two and a half is your total. Adam, the scary thing, if you are a Cowboys backer and or uh, fan, was that Micah Parsons got added to the injury report yesterday with a shoulder injury. Now they say that he's going to be able to go, but anytime you get added on Thursday to the injury report, we always kind of go like this, you know, because Hey man, like getting added to the injury report on Thursday, that ain't too good. So I got to admit at this point, I will be waiting on the official injury report and it would be bears or pass for me in this situation. I'm not going to ever lay 10 points where the whole handicap is, well, the, the defense is so great that I don't think the bears are going to be able to do anything. Cause I, I, I don't think this offense is all that special from the Cowboys side of things. So as a one dimensional team as there is in the NFL of the air quote, good teams is the Dallas Cowboys. And if their main piece is even somewhat limited in that, then I think this is certainly a bears or pass, and I can't believe I'm even saying that. So bears or pass makes me harken back to last <laughs> week. And um, last week could have been a all wins, no losses record yeah. for me, uh, minus the New England Patriots. Um, that is a major loss that I have to own up to. Uh, I had not only I had not only uh, multiple teasers pegged to the Patriots last week, I had a Patriots teaser running to this week with oh, the game no. that we're going to talk about later. Hey, we all had it, man. We all had to own this loss. We did. We did. Uh, well, uh, Okay, I'll let I'll let Mr. Brown decide how much he wants to say there. But uh, yeah, I cheated. So I cheated. I did. Yeah, you did. I did. You did. I did. I did. I cheated. You, che- I did. you cheated. <laughs> and you played Bears money line. So anyway, um, so we we look and we say to ourselves, all right. In in college, we learned that Justin Fields can can run. He's he's a good runner. Part of the reason he was drafted in the first round. Um, and you know who discovered last week for the first time all season that Justin Fields can run? Matt Eberflus yeah. discovered last week yeah. that Justin Fields can run the football. And they po- called more design runs for Justin Fields than they had all season long. Now, granted, there were some fluky elements to a 19-point win for the Bears mm. in which Justin Fields fumbled the ball four times and didn't <laughs> lose any of them. And the Chicago Bears converted double-digit third downs. Now, all of those things led to them winning by 19, but they probably would have won otherwise. And so I wouldn't worry too much that 
Chicago Bears are going to turn back into a pumpkin, right? If they've unlocked the fact that their best mm-hmm. athlete on the field should be used in a more creative way, chances are they're going to go back to it. And if Micah Parsons is in any way limited, that does take a significant piece away from the Dallas defense. Um, my problem here, Matt, is that usually playing look ahead has benefited me. Playing look ahead might just go ahead and hurt me this time because before Monday Night Football, I played this game under 42 and a half. Uh, thinking that Dak did not look all the way back, thinking the Bears are not able to get much done mm-hmm. on offense. And so now I'm I'm kind of sitting here shaking my head saying I, I don't feel nearly as good about under 42 and a half if the Bears are actually going to use Justin Fields the right way. Yeah, Stephen, if you take a look, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that this is like, you know, a, a super, you know, trend that's heading in the right direction or whatever, but it does look like, they have on the Bears side of things figured at least a little bit out. If you've watched the last couple of games, they are doing more design runs for fields, which again, as we know, is going to open up some of the easier passing stuff because now the defense is trying to run spy defenses and different things like that against him, which we know if you're a smart coach, which it looks like Eber Flusily, at least last week, came out with a hell of a game plan. Like you said, Adam, that is a tip of the old cap. That was one of the best game plans of the year. Like, I mean, they came out and absolutely curb stomped the Patriots on their own field with an, I mean, an absolutely fantastic game plan. And, you know, could that continue here? Could they have seen something that they want to continue with? It makes me wonder, Steven. So again, I, I, I don't have this in the account, but if this somehow crept back up to double digits and if I was able to get 10, I think I'm playing that and it's probably going to be a contest play for me either way. I'm probably going to play the bears in a contest, like no matter what. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to bet the Cowboys guys. I think I'm going to take Cowboys minus nine and a half here. And the Patriots are near the bottom of the league in rush defense, first of all. So big matchup advantage that they took advantage that mm-hmm. they, they went after last week with Chicago. And yes, he's running the ball. He, you know, they're doing some Cam Newton, single wing offense stuff, but I was curious to dig into the numbers and he still was not passing the ball well, even in this this two game stretch where, you know, I give them credit in that Washington game as well, despite some poor red zone luck. Uh, But he still has had a a negative CPOE in uh, over the last two weeks here. So it's it's kind of a one dimensional offense. And now they have injuries to the offensive line. They lost their center, Lucas Patrick, to IR. Their right tackle is questionable as well. And I think the Dallas defense is really good. Like we talked about the Denver defense being elite. I do think the Dallas Cowboys defense is elite. And on defense for the Bears, they've now traded Quinn, who is their best pass rusher, and they are 26th in rush success rate with now a big improvement in my mind for the Dallas run game because it doesn't look like Ezekiel Elliott's going to play, so they don't have a choice now to not play him, which means Tony Pollard is going to get unleashed. And he is a significant upgrade in the run game for what they can do, not only running the ball, but catching the ball as well. It's been two consecutive seasons now dating back to 2020 where Pollard across the board is a better runner than Ezekiel Elliott is, whether you're looking at EPA, whether you're whether you're looking at success rate, whether you're looking at yards after contact, it is significantly improved. So I think this makes this an option now for Dallas to be explosive in the run game more so than they were with Ezekiel Elliott. And these injuries to the offensive line for Chicago makes me queasy uh, as well. So I think I'm going to take Dallas. Don't feel great about it, but I think I'm going to. 
Mm, you shouldn't feel great about it because that's going to lose. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, um, I uh, it, look, if you look, like I said, Justin Fields, it feels like they figured something out. Weeks five, six, and seven. So the last three weeks, he's the number 12 quarterback in the NFL in EPA plus CPOE composite. Like we're talking a guy that's now kind of in that upper third conversation, you know, of efficiency and things. And, you know, will let's that see continue? it against a good defense. Now, I just let's see listen, it against a good defense. Listen, I, I said, will that continue? I don't really know, but we'll see, you know, if that uh, if that is some trends that they can actually start to right. to move forward here and and take with them as they move forward. So, again, Adam and I with the lean. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. Just to add to, the, to, to what Stephen was saying. Dallas is number one against the pass in DVOA. They are number 16 against the rush. And I think we saw against Philadelphia that the one way you can beat this Dallas defense is to be able to run the ball. And it's the one thing that Chicago has actually been able to do uh, this year. If you look at last week uh, against New England, everyone who carried the football averaged at least four yards per carry. And if you subtract David Montgomery, everyone averaged at least five yards per carry. So I think you're going to see Chicago try to ground and pound this thing. And that's why I like the Chicago side, if anything, just because I think it's going to shorten this game down a bit. The Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions. The Dolphins are sitting three and a half point favorites. Fifty one and a half is your total. The biggest of the week boys this was in my account early this was in my account often this was in my account I have a lot on the Miami Dolphins this week <clears throat> in this game and so I, look if you take a look as to why I'm going after this there's a couple of different reasons one look the honeymoon thing with the Detroit Lions is over right I mean yes the hard knocks was fine and it was a great story and I joked on our podcast that I was ready to run through a wall for Dan Campbell and all the stuff like that and Dan Campbell might be an awesome dude and he might be a good motivator that doesn't mean he's a good coach and I also think he might have surrounded himself with a whole bunch of guys that fit that mold that probably aren't good coaches either right they're probably awesome guys to be around and they're fun dudes in the locker room and the players probably all love them but that doesn't mean that you can coach the NFL coach in the NFL and look it's the same old Lions again this year it is one of the worst defenses we've seen in an incredibly long time the Miami Dolphins defense is actually getting a little bit healthier which has been their kind of Achilles heel and it certainly has not been the offense because this offense has been really really good I'm glad that they sputtered a little bit last week to where we get this number I got the flat three the three and a half I thought this thing would be six I mean like honest to God I thought this thing would be six and I think the Dolphins sputtering in front of everybody last week got us a very favorable number on this guys this if you look at this, I don't have to tell you all the statistics of the Lions defense. You guys well know, but if you're listening or watching and you just want to know, I mean, it's 31st DVOA, 32nd according to Pro Football Focus. It's 31st against the, the pass, 32nd against the pass, Pro Football Focus, 26th when it comes to pass rush, 32nd defensive EPA, success rate against the uh, – uh, overall is 31st, 30th against run, 30 against you, – you get the picture. They have the bottom three in basically every single advanced metric that there is in the NFL that we kind of do this to handicap these games. And now you come in with the Dolphins offense that has been highly efficient with Tua under center. Lions defense with this number 32 ranked, you know, drop back EPA defense is going up against Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Tyreek Hill – 
leads the NFL in 10-plus yard receptions with 32. He leads the NFL in 20-plus yard receptions with 12. Jalen Waddle leads the league in 30-yard receptions with 7 and 40-yard receptions with 4. You have the receivers that are going up against the worst pass defense in the entire NFL that lead the league in 10, 20, 30, and 40-yard receptions so far on the season. This team is going to have several explosive plays. They are going to put points on the board. I still would bet it at 3 and a half obviously the three is much 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 more attractive but I love the Dolphins this week indoors on the fast track I think they're going to expose this Lions team for everything that they are or everything that they aren't I should say what say you Adam I understand exactly where you're coming from I I am not sold on Tua back yet uh last week was not pretty uh for Tua Tagovailoa Mm -hmm. Zero big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays, barely up to 60% completions against a Pittsburgh defense that it's not the Pittsburgh defense of old. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. Uh, that said, the matchups absolutely favor Miami. You're not going to find me on the Detroit side of things uh, in this game. This game, to me, is is a total pass. I don't know who the Lions are right now other than bad on defense. Like we know offensively, we've seen this team be able to put up 35 and then we've seen this team put up six. We don't know what we're getting on that side of the ball. And now Amon Ross St. Brown is banged up again and they still have not gotten completely healthy with Swift and Chark. So I'll pass. But if you were to uh, twist my arm and get me in, I'd be with you. Stephen, if we take a look, I mean, uh, on the Lions side, I think it's it's real. It's it's almost you know, I, I think it's almost too too obvious, right? It's it's Jared Goff has turned kind of back into Jared Goff, right? I mean, like he's turning the ball over all the time. He's making very poor decisions, which he didn't in the first couple of games of the season. Super small sample size where we were saying, ah, maybe this guy's turned a corner. He is not. He's not the future. Lions should probably just try and lose out and get one of these top quarterbacks that's coming out in the draft this year and see if they can't do something uh, with some of this young talent that they do have on the roster. Because, you know, listen, a a Bryce Young-led or a C.J. Stroud-led Lions team with Amon Ross St. Brown, and by the way, Jamison Williams is coming back, and DeAndre, so like, that's something I want to be a part of, but that ain't this team right now, and I, I think this Lions team is is legitimately one of the one of the worst five teams yet again in all the NFL. The Lions offense the first month of the season had a low success rate, which was indicating poor consistency from series to series. They were banking on explosive plays to get them points, and now that has dried up. The last three weeks, they are dead last in EPA, dead last in dropback EPA, dead last in rush EPA. And the offensive line, which we thought was strong, their strongest unit coming in, is now down to 19th and 14th in pass block and run block win rate. So that is not the elite unit, the top 10, top 5 unit we all thought they could could be so without that what are they because they have no defense as you have laid out and for the Miami side credit to Mo Noara for pointing this out on beat the closing line I thought it was a really interesting stat Miami's still number three in pass offense by DVOA despite having games in that sample with Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson playing so this is clearly a very explosive offense when Tua is the quarterback I saw the same things Adam saw last week against Pittsburgh, but I'll also say that they had, you know, seven yards per pass. They were above average in yards per play and they had some some poor red zone luck. So I don't think this defense in Detroit is going to put up any type of 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 test or challenge in the same way Pittsburgh did last week. 
Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are three and a half to now. There's a four showing up in the market favorite here over the Cardinals. So this has come down off the four down to the three and a half um, and 49 is your total. Steven, if we take a look, this is another one that I put in my account. I will gladly take the uh, three and a half on the Minnesota Vikings and I'll run with it. And I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to what we saw from an Arizona Cardinals beatdown of the Saints where the Saints ran out a shell team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball. All they had was a rookie wide receiver who was their number one. This is, uh, I mean, look, is this Arizona team better with DeAndre Hopkins out on the field? It is for sure. I mean, we saw the chemistry between him and Kyler Murray is undeniable that is about all they have going for them, I think, at this point. If you look at their defensive metrics, this team has been absolutely pathetic. This is a Vikings team coming off of a bye, going up against a Cardinals defense that is number 31 out of 32 teams, as you know, in drop-back success rate defense. And look, the Vikings are going to win a bunch of ugly games. This is probably going to be a sweat all the way to the end, but this Vikings team is better, in my opinion, in just about every aspect of the game as we sit right now and as these teams are currently constructed, you could argue that Kyler Murray is better than Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to get in that debate with you. I think they're two different types of players. If we look at number one receivers, you're obviously going to favor the Vikings. If you look at the running back position, you're obviously going to favor the Vikings. If you look at the pass rush, you're going to favor the Vikings. I, I think there's a whole bunch here that just points to Minnesota and a a sentiment coming out of this Cardinals win over, you know, on an island game where everyone got to see it and everyone got to see the highlights and there was no competition for it that uh, this line got too short. I really want to fade the Vikings because you and I are on opposite ends here. I think the Vikings, I've concluded through what I looked at this week, that they have a resume as unimpressive as the Giants, despite their record. They, I'm lowest on them on the staff at number 10. They have played the seventh easiest schedule of defenses. The offense is really confusing. They are well, very guess consistent. what, buddy? They got their they got one of the easiest schedules remaining in all the NFL. So if, if you're not going to buy, you're, I guess you're never going to buy in because they're playing easy games the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, this offense is confusing to me for Minnesota. They are they're very consistent moving the ball, but they are I don't they they lack explosive plays. You combine that with the defense that's not playing well. They're near the bottom of the league in yards per play allowed. So that on paper to me makes it a, a difficult spot to back a team to cover more than a field goal here. But at, at the same time, like I hate Arizona because that was they had two pick sixes last week, and they didn't win by 14 points. They lost by fewer than that because they got outgained significantly in yards per play. They allowed 7.0 yards per play to an Andy Dalton offense that was lacking uh, wide receivers due to injury. So I thought at the beginning of the week I was going to jump on this Vikings line with you, Matt, when it was six and a half on the look ahead, and now we're down to three and a half, I think. But Arizona's just as bad. I, I'm confused about this game. So maybe, maybe Adam can convince me one way or the other. Adam, this guy's over here talking about they lack explosive plays. Justin Jefferson is second in the league in 20 plus yard receptions. He's second in the league in 30 plus yard receptions. He's third in the league in 10 plus yard receptions. He's third in 30 plus yard receptions. I mean, you know, I'm just 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 saying. Um, well, then it's play calling then because you know, they're in the middle of the league in yards yeah. per play. They should yeah. be higher than that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's conservative play calling or what, but they're in the middle of the league in yards per play. Adam, play devil's advocate at least then for for a second, and because I I don't know 
I don't know what your feelings are, so I do want you to play devil's advocate here. What is the what is the path here, I guess, for Arizona in this? Is it is it that the Arizona we saw against the Saints wasn't due to the Saints having a beat-up secondary and a missing a bunch of starters that the Arizona Cardinals are actually that much better basically overnight by putting DeAndre Hopkins on the field? I'm not buying in on that side of it. I'm not buying mm. in on the Arizona is better with DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's obvious that they were going to be better with DeAndre mm. Hopkins, right? So it takes this offense from abysmal to slightly below average. Now, you're still really banged up on the offensive line. This might be the worst injury mismatch in terms of uh, one team having all sorts of trouble and the Minnesota Vikings coming off the bye being pretty clean. But I'll make the case for you. I'll play mm. devil's advocate and say that you said Minnesota's going to win a bunch of ugly games, right? And what we've seen is that Kevin O'Connell's decision-making is okay. Not great, not terrible. There is a backdoor path here for the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. And that's what would concern me about the hook. That's what If this were three, I think it's a different story than three and a half for me because of the fact that I can see where even if you see Minnesota get up by 10 points late in the game, is this a defense I trust to stiffen up and hold Arizona right. out of the end zone and keep them from, you know, making a mad rush down the field? No, I, it's not a defense I trust to that level. And all you have to do is look back at the game in London for an example of that, right? Like uh, look back in London and see that a Saints team that was not running the best of it out there was still able to keep that game uh, close at the end. So that would be my devil's advocate case is that it's about the Minnesota defense more than the Arizona offense. Yeah, no, and, and I'm with you. Like the, the hook, like I said, it's it's certainly not, <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't feel great, right? Like I mean, it doesn't feel great pushing the button, but I, I do believe we've just moved a little bit too far. Yeah, to your credit, Cardinals you are game. getting the best of the number of on the Vikings here. Yeah, I, I again, it just, I think we moved a little too far off the sentiment of, the Cardinals beating down what I consider to be a, a pretty bad Saints team. Las Vegas Raiders and the New Orleans Saints. This is now down to the Raiders point, point and a half as favorites on the road at the Saints. 49 and a half is your total. Uh, as we start with this one, Adam, this one is interesting because this has now moved down to a point because we hadn't seen Devontae Adams in a couple of days at practice. And as we well know, no matter what you think about the Saints' decision to permanently move to Andy Dalton as starting quarterback, which, by the way, that's I'm not making that up. That did happen this week. They are moving to Andy Dalton permanently as the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Marshawn Lattimore is not going to be out there. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that should be coming up Raiders here. But, uh, boy, you don't have Devontae Adams out there. It is a completely different handicap, a completely different team. And it makes it very difficult on us here as we're trying to do this, you know, on early Friday morning to get this out to as many people as humanly possible to give a proper handicap on this game. I guess I could say with the caveat that if Devontae Adams plays, I like the Raiders. If he doesn't, it's a complete stay away pass for me. I guess I could at least do that. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that information. You uh, you have made it clear for me as to what I'm going to do with this game. Uh, look, there's nothing that we can yeah. say, right? Like, like either either he plays or he doesn't. It has been called, quote, a bad flu uh, for Devontae Adams. We don't know what that ultimately means. We do know that it means he hasn't been on the practice field. Um, this is a game that is very difficult to play in advance because of the injury report. Mm -hmm. But I will I will say that. This is actually, as I mentioned earlier, one of the teaser legs that I have. New Orleans plus eight mm -hmm. uh, in the teaser for a couple of reasons. The Raiders in the last couple of weeks where we've seen the Raiders be a bit more lively. 
It is not because of the pass. It is because of the run. And when we get to the point where we're going to talk about a run first team that is not a good defensive team, and I see the opportunity to get more than a touchdown and to get more than a full score, that is an opportunity that I'm always looking for because this Vegas team now wants to run. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are the number one rush DVOA team in the league. Okay, will New Orleans be able to stop that run? They are middle of the pack against the run, which is a lot different than going up against Houston last week. That final score is deceiving from the Raiders and Houston last week. Houston had a 20 to 17 lead in the third quarter and the Raiders defense was not looking great. And then Davis Mills, Davis Mills, and you saw a bit of uh, the Raiders rush offense take over late in the game. Here's the biggest problem I have. I would be in the I would be in excitement of of huge proportion to fade the Raiders if the Saints had anybody healthy. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem. Right. You mentioned Lattimore. OK, Lattimore didn't practice again. Jarvis Landry didn't practice again. Michael Thomas didn't practice. Andrews Pete's on the report. Ryan Ramchek. It was just a veteran rest day. Then he had a knee added to the report. Like there are so many problems for New Orleans right now on the defensive side. Uh, I see why the line movement is what it is. You're not getting me in uh, with the Raiders. I do not buy this renaissance from the Raiders as being anything other than playing a bad team and taking advantage of a matchup. But on the other side, uh, until the Saints get a little bit healthier, I, I just don't know how you can comfortably get out there and back them. So I played that teaser. You know, again, that's one of those Sunday night teasers that was in my account and uh, I might not get the best of it. Stephen, we take a look, and I mean, it's uh, it's it's maybe one of the more for me, quite honestly, it might be one of the more confusing handicaps of the year for me because it's like you look, and as Adam just ran through, I mean, this is a Saints team that might be without all of their starting corners if the injury report breaks really sideways for them, and a team that's already 29th it drop back EPA per play as it is anyway on the defensive side of the ball. Yet it's still, they're still only one point dogs in this thing. I think the Superdome is still one of the few places where you can tack on point and a half, two points for home field advantage. Whereas we're basically at this point, we're basically under a point. We're basically neutral, you know, when it comes to home field advantage, but you know, there is, an element to the dome down there and they do get super loud and crazy and all those things like that. And so, I mean, maybe there is at least a little bit to that, but it is super, super confusing to me how to, how to handle this thing. Other than if Devonte Adams plays, I guess I would have a lean towards the Raiders, but that's about it. I was tempted to play the over here over 49 and a half, but that's a high total by today's this, this season's NFL standards. The, the defenses are pretty awful. They are 28th and 27th in pressure rate. They are, you know, among the bottom teams in the league and in, in success rate uh, against the pass. So, but you guys have laid out very well all the injury concerns here on both sides. Uh, that's too much for me to, to, to make a bet. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that and we can move on to another game. Yeah, I think the only thing maybe you could do here from a live betting perspective is if if it comes out and let's say Devontae Adams doesn't play for the Raiders and it just likes they're they're just gonna run they're gonna run Josh Jacobs five thousand times in this game or something. Maybe you play a live under or something, you know, like if it just looks like they are going to completely just abandon the pass altogether, maybe that's an angle that you could kind of go at this one if you do want to play it. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. New England Patriots at the New York Jets right now. The Patriots, my screen is lighting up. It is two and a half or threes. So it's an expensive two and a half or a cheap three, depending on where you bet it. 40 and a half is your total. Steven, you and I bet this one early. We both were on the Patriots. I bet it before the, we both bet it before we saw the Patriots performance this past week. I don't really care that I did bet the Patriots even after that shellacking. Uh, Matt Jones off of the injury report completely for the Patriots this week. So we don't have any of this controversy that everyone's trying to, you know, start up with Bailey Zappi. He's still a fourth round rookie that nobody wanted who's six foot tall and, you know, everything like that. So, I mean, it's it's different playing in the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, Bailey Zappi. So it's going to be Mac Jones. Here's th- this Jets team. The most interesting thing for me is despite winning these games, right? They have four consecutive games in, in look, they're winning. So there's something to it, but with a pass rate below expectation, Zach Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in any of the last three games that he's played on the season. Zach Wilson, when pressured is still one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire NFL, which we kind of just gloss over because again, they've been winning. He's five for 31 when pressured over the last three weeks, two interceptions, his passing grades, 31 out of 31 with quarterbacks with at least 40 dropbacks when pressured. I think we're kind of just getting wrapped up in the end result as opposed to how the the sausage is actually made. And when you get in, you see all the ugly stuff of how the sausage is actually made for this Jets team. And I think this is where there's a little bit of a coming back down to earth here against the Patriots. 
We've gotten a little bit bigger of a sample size with Zach Wilson after he didn't have a preseason and, you know, got a couple games under his belt. And he's exactly what we thought he was last season. There's 32 teams in the NFL and he does not rank top 32 among quarterbacks in the weeks he has played in EPA success rate or CPOE. That's how bad he's been. Just came through, by the way, on the Twitter machine, Corey Davis out this week. So even not that they've been passing a lot, not that they're good at passing, but one less one less weapon as well out there. Hey, Elijah Moore, you might get some targets. Stop (laughs) complaining. Uh, On top of that, they lose Brees Hall, who looked like, I don't want to say Saquon Barkley levels, but he looked like a really emerging star in the Mm. running game here in the NFL. They lose another offensive lineman in Elijah Tucker, and Dwayne Brown is limited with a shoulder. He's a big part of their offensive line. So this is falling apart real quick on offense for the Jets. And to your point about the win streak, They beat Pittsburgh, who had a quarterback change middle of the game. They beat Miami, who had a quarterback change in the middle of the game to a third stringer. They beat Green Bay, who has a ton of offensive line issues, as we know, and maybe Aaron Rodgers has a thumb issue, not to mention brutal special teams that they continue to have in Green Bay that cost them points. And then they play Denver, who had a backup quarterback. So, like, what have they really – they they haven't really done anything here. Now they play a real team with the Patriots who I think their defense is still okay. They're they're number seven in EPA. They are second in PFF tackling grades. So I think they're going to be fine in this game. I think they've been unlucky on third downs. They're 28th in third down defense. So that's we know that's a, a stat that mm-hmm. is ripe for positive regression. And they allowed 61% to Chicago last week. For perspective, Buffalo's number one in the league in third down offense at 53%. And I think Mac Jones, I don't think he's, Above average, but I think he's at least average. I think he's he has a slightly positive CPOE. The Jets defense is good, but New England is number one in pressure allowed. The offensive line protects, and I think Mac Jones is good enough to to win this game. I bet the Patriots minus one earlier this week, and I would still be fine with it if you can get it at minus two and a half or better. Uh, Adam, if we take a look at this one, it is one of those games with a two and a half point spread that you could take up to eight and a half. And it is a 40 and a half point total that we've talked about. Hey, in years past, this would just be an auto bet on the Jets from a teaser perspective. It is a super low total that you get eight and a half points. That is a bet that we make every day, all day. We don't even think twice about it. Of course, teasers have bit us in the ass so far this year, so maybe we're a little bit gun shy. But this is a play, especially considering the path of beating New England is to run the ball, and they trade for James Robinson. They, they've, they've still got Michael Carter. Um, so this, could sl- this game could be kind of slow as it is anyway. We know New England plays slow for sure, 27th in the league in situation neutral pace. So uh, what do you think about the teaser leg? Well, I think I already have it in my account, and it's not at the best number. I actually mm-hmm. played this early. Uh, this was the other half of my Saints teaser mm-hmm. from Sunday night. I played Jets seven and a half, and that was before having seen New England uh, crap mm-hmm. the bed against the Chicago Bears. And it's based on this. We talk about Zach Wilson, and I don't know who it is that you're referring to who might have had a better evaluation of Zach Wilson, because I believe I shouted to the hills last week before the game that Zach Wilson sucks. Um, and I'll shout it louder if anybody still needs to hear it. But here's the other side of it. You talk about Mac Jones, and I think that's where we're getting a little sideways on this handicap. Mac Jones through the first 
half of the 2021 season was PFF's 11th graded quarterback. Mac Jones through the second half of last season was PFF's 23rd graded quarterback. Mm -hmm. The bloom is off the Bailey Zappi rose, but I think the bloom is largely off the Mac Jones rose too. And it's not just about last week and him having a throw that might or might not have hit the sky cam wire that turned into an interception. It's about the fact that we didn't expect much out of Mac Jones in the first place. And I think he's settling into what those expectations were. New England is a team that you, uh, you can definitely run the ball against. You cannot throw it against them. They have two of the best cornerbacks in the league, which we didn't expect coming into this year, but they're number five pass DVOA defense, number 28 rush defense uh, DVOA. Uh, yes, I'm worried about the fact that Elijah Vera Tucker is out, but at the same time, I look at the James Robinson acquisition and like as you mentioned, Michael Carter still being there and say, I think the Jets can still run the ball. So for the handicap for the teaser with the low total, again, we were talking about a team that is not going to throw the ball, right? New England is going to run the ball. And when I see a team that is going to slow the game down and I've got the home dog getting out at more than a touchdown, then, yeah, mm. I think that's just a system kind of play. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, listen, Eagles already elite defense trade for Robert Quinn this week. Um, this good luck moving the ball on this team, basically at all. Simple, simple handicap and quick one for me here, guys. I don't want to lay the 10 and a hook. Because the hook is on there, you you know we we can sit here and say this all day. You can have a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter, you know, and it's like you allow them to do the you know ninety seconds left on the clock, and you just let them kind of go down the field because you don't want to get any of your guys hurt. And then they squeak in the end zone, even though you're winning by seventeen points in the fourth quarter, and you lose this game on a hook and stuff. So. I just can't get there. The Eagles are going to win for sure. This is a different caliber for Kenny Pickett. Hey, welcome to the real NFL small hands. Uh, this is where it's going to come to. This is where it's going to come to fruition here. But I, it's just the hook that keeps me off of it. Steven, uh, I, not much more to say this. Like the Eagles are better in every single level of the entire game. I mean, like they're better in every single level right now. It's just the hook on that 10 has it to where it's it's unplayable for me. But I can't play the Steelers because I'd need like I'd need 13. So it's like the weirdest handicap. Like I need under 10 for the Eagles, but I need 13 to play the Steelers. So uh yeah, go go to town on this one. No, I got nothing on this yeah. game, man. I mean I'm I'm out. I maybe Adam's got something because I can read a bunch of stats here, but you summed it up. They're better at every level and it's a very large number on a team that runs a lot. So, I mean, maybe you can <laughs> shorten the game and get inside the 10 and a half. Yeah. All right. So uh, here's what I'll tell you about betting this game. Um, I think you should definitely uh, check out my social as Matt mentioned earlier and come find the live betting show that we do on Sundays. Um, mm -hmm. And on that live betting show, what I've said consistently is Philly is a different first half team versus second half team. Yep. And I think you're going to get an opportunity in this game to bet a couple of different things. If you see Philly get out to a 10 or 14 point lead, you're probably going to see a number like 18, 19, 20 on the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Play it. There you go. Play it. Because you're going, you're probably going to get there when it comes to that. You also could decide to play a second half under. I'm going to give you the updated version of this stat, which has only gotten wider since I gave it to you guys the first time. Philadelphia in the first half is the second fastest playing team in the league at 26.3 uh, uh, seconds per play. In the second half, they are 31st in the league at 30.8 
seconds per play. They shut it down with a lead, and we've seen it over and over again. This team plays slow in the second half when they have a lead. They do not widen that offense out in any way, which makes sense. They just happen to slow it down a lot more than other teams. So I think it's a live betting opportunity on the Steelers if this game goes according to plan. I think that's a perfect way to look at it. I think anything pregame, I think you're just kind of rolling the dice too much on this. I think an in-game is, is certainly the way to go. Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. The Titans are two and a half point road favorites over the Houston Texans. 40 and a half is your total. Is it Malik Willis time? That is the question. Ryan Tannehill has not been able to practice for the Tennessee Titans. So we see this thing sitting under a field goal against a bad Houston Texans team. Adam, for the fun of it, I put in a 100 to one rookie of the year ticket on Malik Willis in case he's able to Wally pip Ryan Tannehill. Uh, it is very unlikely to happen, but we know Ryan Tannehill has been very uninspiring for a while now. And if Malik Willis comes in and adds even anything to this Titans offense, uh, maybe they make the move because, Hey, look, they're in the driver's seat now to win that division. And they're in the driver's seat to win, uh, to get into the playoffs. And so, you know, maybe they see something in Willis and try to make that move again. It's very small bet. It's a hundred to one, not likely to happen guys. But uh, you know, if you wanted to do something like that, to have a fun big ticket in there, here we go again, though, Adam 40 and a half is a total. You could take the Texas eight and a half. If you wanted to again, in years past, this would be an auto play. I can't do it. What say you? So when we share our leans and plays with each other, if you see mine in our Slack channel as edited, this week, uh, you see edited because I pulled Houston plus eight and a half off Yeah, uh, because I, I it fits the system and I absolutely cannot do it. Um, this is one where I can't get to the system play for a couple of reasons. One thing we know about Tennessee is that they're going to run the ball no matter who the quarterback is, right? Derrick Henry's going to run the ball. He ran it 30 times last week against Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And Houston is not a little bit the worst run defense in the NFL. It is a lot the worst mm. run defense in the NFL. If you look at uh, Rush DVOA, you'll find that Green Bay is the second worst defense at 10.9%. The Houston at 16.3% is the worst. And if those numbers don't mean anything to you, just understand the gap between Green Bay and Houston is the same that it is between Green Bay and the team six spots above them. So that's how bad Houston is defending the run. And you just mentioned it. If Malik Willis is in there and now we get another one of these teams that can run an option type football that has a running threat at quarterback mm -hmm. th that is going to potentially open things up. That's too much variance for me to play the teaser. Uh, that being said, not knowing the quarterback situation, you're not also not going to find me on the other side of this laying the two and a half with Tennessee on the road. Yeah, Steven, look, I'm I'm interested to see what this offense looks like. If Malik Willis does have to play, I'm interested to see what they do with him. If he has to play, will they allow him to cut it loose or will it be a super, super close to the vest? As Adam just mentioned, Derrick Henry for 40 touches this week or something like that. I don't really know with that kind of uncertainty. It makes it very tough for me to get anything into the account. Come on, guys. Where is your spirit? Where is I your know. courage? This yeah, is a Texans teaser leg all the way yeah. with a total of 40 and a half. <laughs> the Titans are terrible. I don't care that they're four and two. 31st in yards per play. 29. Here's the key for me. 29th in yards per play allowed. This defense for the Titans stinks. And I know it's Davis Mills. 
but they still have some weapons around him. This is a total pass funnel defense for Tennessee. They're ranked very high against the run, very poor against the pass. That's exactly what I want if they're playing comeback mode here, trying to get inside the eight and a half with a low total game. So I think it fits nicely. I don't care if Malik Willis plays. I am not somebody who thinks is 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 optimistic when a new quarterback comes in. We'll get to more about that when we talk Washington, Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, I thought this fit nicely. And hey, I'm, I'm back on the Texans uh, bandwagon here for one more week. I'm I'm plugging my nose. I, listen, buddy, I not having a bet in my account. I'm rooting for you, but holy mackerel, you rooted, <laughs> having to having to sit through a Texan sweat yet again. I uh, good, good on you. Good on you, my friend. Washington Commanders and the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, the big news here is Matt Ryan has been benched permanently in favor of Sam Ellinger. And uh, here we are, two and a half, three in favor of the Colts. 39 and a half is your total. Yes, guys, this is a theme this week. we got like all these sub 42 totals just across the entire league. It's crazy. So the Colts, two and a half, three point favorites over the Commanders. And a game of 39 and a half. Steven, if we take a look at this, one of the things that was very interesting to me is I dug in a little bit further. And and look, Matt Ryan had been terrible. I know he said he was shocked that he got benched, but let's just be for real. The guy was turning the ball over left and right. He was just completely, completely, uh, he's washed. I mean, like, you know, I thought I was wrong. I thought he wasn't washed. He's washed. It is what it is. They move on. So Sam Ellinger comes in. The interesting thing about Ellinger that I guess I just didn't remember because he ha- is a couple of years removed from college is just how mobile he was and just how prone to running the ball he was. He ran for over 2,500 yards in college. And if you extrapolate that out in a per game basis, it's over 40 yards a game rushing for him. Of course, Sam Ellinger was a preseason hero for this Colts team. If you watched any of the preseason, he went 24 of 29 for 289 yards and four touchdowns and no picks in the preseason. I was all ready to jump in and back the commanders, and I I backed off. I'm weirdly interested in what this Colts team might look like with Ellinger under center, so I didn't play it. What are you doing here in this game? You guys are not alone. I see Adam in the background strutting the Heisman over there because I think he agrees with you. We'll see in a moment. But you guys are not alone. It's sports betting Twitter and the content space has been all over Sam Ellinger this week. Uh, Oh, my God, guys. Breaking news. Uh Tom Brady has announced on the Instagram that him and him and Giselle are are divorced. Oh, no. Oh, God. What do we do? What do we do? Guys, what do we do? Oh, play Hats the sad off. music. I know. Play, play the sad music. Here's exactly. No, I'm going to tell you exactly what you do with this. You play New England for everything in your account because Zach Wilson, hearing that Giselle is available, <laughs> is going to be distracted. That is right in his wheelhouse. Oh, this is so great. <laughs> oh, man. This is so great. All right. Well, anyway, back to our normally, back to our regular well, schedule programming, but holy mackerel. I don't even know what to do. He waits till after the loss to announce this. I mean, come on, tell us before the game so we can bet against you. Jeez, have a little decency. (laughs) Well, nothing I can say about Sam Ellinger is going to top that, but (laughs) we'll, we'll try to get back on track here. The this is a sixth round pick, guys, who has no regular season experience with an offensive line that is terrible. And we have seen 
several examples in recent years. Let's just look at last year. Several examples where the sports betting community has lined up to play a backup quarterback, assuming that they can't be any worse than the starter they're replacing. We saw it with Jacoby Brissett and Tua last year. We saw it with Glennon taking over for Daniel Jones. We saw it with Justin Fields coming in for Andy Dalton. And all of those quarterbacks statistically were bet were, were worse, much worse than the, the starter that they replaced. So I would just be careful assuming that Sam Ellinger, which most people in this country didn't know existed before this week. Oh, come on. Be hey. better. Play it in, play in <laughs> Texas. It's going to be better than Matt Ryan. It's, it's not like it's Malik Willis from not Liberty. Really yeah, yeah, you're like, Jesus Christ, you went in Texas. What are you, what are you talking about? Um, now, I, I got lucky here with Washington plus four earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I handicapped it with Matt Ryan. You know, in a sim- I thought it was a similar handicap to what we saw with Washington last week, taking advantage of a Green Bay Packers offensive line. I admit Heineke got lucky with some turnover-worthy plays a week ago. But if you guys want to line up and back Sam Ellinger as a favorite, by all means, go right ahead. I'm not going to be one of them, and I'm happy we just got a lucky number here in the Discord. All righty. So, uh, Adam, I think you and I may be a little bit more on the Colts side of things here. Uh, I know you were looking for a certain number, and that number has uh, actually popped at uh, DraftKings right now. Yeah, and that's it was pretty obvious it was coming mm-hmm. because every three on the board was at even money. So mm-hmm. eventually that two and a half was getting there with Indianapolis. I am not going to line up to back Sam Ellinger. I'm at the front of the line <laughs> to back <laughs> Sam <laughs> Ellinger. I am charging up the hill. We fight for freedom <laughs> yeah! for Sam Ellinger. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we do here. Uh I heard everything Steven just said about lining up to back a backup quarterback. So, sir, let me remind you that you're lining up to back Taylor Heineke (laughs) on the other side of this. You do not have the starting quarterback. You have Taylor Heineke, who last week managed to put up a turnover worthy play rate of 14 percent against the Green Bay Packers. One in every seven plays was turnover worthy. He was horrible. Taylor Heineke was horrible last week. And I do think we've reached a point where much like we talk about the Denver offense. For me, we've reached the bottom with Indianapolis. We have reached as bad as this can get Mm -hmm. because every metric you look at will tell you just how bad the Indianapolis offense has been. But part of that is one, Jonathan Taylor hasn't been totally healthy Two, as you mentioned, the offensive line hasn't been great, but three, They've stuck by Matt Ryan and the fact that they're willing to make this move. And if you read the quotes coming out of that locker room this week, the team is not unanimously behind this decision. In fact, a lot of folks don't understand why they made it. But Frank Reich and the upper management here with Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay decided we've got to do something different. And this is a team that has been all in for the last three, four years on trying to win. That, to me, speaks to the level to which they understand it wasn't going to get done with Matt Ryan. So I think you see Indianapolis recommit to being a running team in this game. And whether that's with Sam Ellinger, whether that's with Jonathan Taylor, I think you're going to see a Colts offensive line that is as healthy as it's been this year. I think we start to get some regression back to the mean positively here 
with Indianapolis against a Washington team that, let's keep in mind, is also terrible. <laughs> yes, it was a great spot for them last week, right? Being able to get those points at home was a great spot against Green Bay last week, and I find myself kicking myself for not being in on that. But here against Indianapolis on the road and with Indianapolis likely going to get, don't call him Darius Leonard back on the defensive mm. side this week, you're going to see a different looking defense out there for Indy. And frankly, that's been the one thing that's been good. Indy defense by DVOA is, is number 11. That's not having Darius Leonard, probably mm. the most talented player on that defense, having played at all this year. So I will lay that two and a half with Indianapolis, with the unknown, the never before heard of, the guy who emerged from the shadows, who no one has ever seen before, who was considered a Heisman Trophy candidate <laughs> as a freshman at Texas, Sam Ellinger. San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams right now. One, one, one and a half is the number on the 49ers as road favorites here over the Rams. 42 and a half to 43 is your total. Adam, this 49ers squad is uh, looking a little banged up here. There are a lot of guys not practicing. Now, this Friday injury report is going to be very, 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 very important for how you handicap this game. We know Debo Samuel has not been out there. We know several players on the defensive side have still not been practicing. So it could be, again, a 49ers team that is running out uh, several backups and maybe even on the offensive side, going without Debo Samuel. Now it is one more week that Christian McCaffrey could be worked into the offense, but the Rams are coming off of a bye, so it didn't catch them by surprise that Christian McCaffrey is going to be on the 49ers. So super interesting handicap to me. Everything in the world screams this is like a buy low spot on the Rams, yet I can't put this ticket in my account. It's Friday. We're worried about Debo. Uh oh, Smokey. <laughs> we got a problem here. It's we got Friday. a problem here. Uh, yeah. We got no job. Yeah. Uh, no job. Mm. No job. Debo Samuel has no practice uh, thus far this week. Uh, I'm so once bitten, twice shy when it comes to this handicap because this is almost identical to the handicap I had on the Rams and Niners a few weeks ago where I was looking at it and saying, do I really believe that the Rams have fallen so far they can't stay within uh, a teaser leg of San Francisco? And the answer to that was they absolutely could not yeah. Uh, yeah. as Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times and threw the ball away twice. So um, I'm going to pass on this game uh, at this point, at least. I don't see anything that wants... Uh, that warrants getting involved. I think San Francisco is definitely a team that once it gets a little healthier is going to be on the rise. But right now, given the situation that they're in, especially if Debo isn't able to play, uh, I don't want to be on that side. I don't want the Rams teaser leg. I can't because as much as we don't like trends, there is something to Kyle Shanahan against the Rams yeah. that is really difficult to ignore. Steven, I know the 49ers are your squad. And uh, I mean, look, you've been, fairly honest with them that you like them long term that maybe this version of them isn't necessarily one that you're running to the window to back what do you think this week though um this line i'm guessing indicates debo's not gonna play right i mean like i, I is my guess because if this was that he was gonna play we'd be seeing two and a half i think or something like closing in on three i i, I can only assume that this is they're gonna they're gonna be down a couple of defensive starters and debo is kind of what i'm reading from this line 
First of all, this line completely flipped from the look ahead. The Niners are like a two, two and a half point dog. So that that was interesting to me that the market <clears throat> instantly said the Niners should be rated higher than the Rams uh, at this point already, even with these injuries. So on top of that, the Rams offensive line, which we all know has been putrid this year, had a bye week and got worse. They lost their left tackle. So now it's even worse than it was the first time around against the 49ers. I'm betting the Niners in this game. I'm just waiting for the right time to do it. If Debo doesn't play, I'm still betting them and getting a better number for for Debo not playing, I'm assuming. So I I was curious to to kind of look around and, and see. There's a guy I follow on Twitter, Sharp, Sharp Clark NFL. He does a really good job studying tape. And to your point about Shanahan versus McVay and seeing this over and over again with the exception of the NFC title game, one of his observations was that offensively, the motion that the Niners do in the side-to-side action limits the impact of inside pressure, notably Aaron Donald, when you're moving side-to-side as much as the 49ers do. And it also forces the Rams defensively, who are one of the best in the league at disguising their coverages and disguising their defenses pre-snap, it forces them to show what they're running. And Jimmy Garoppolo is smart enough to see that, even though he doesn't have the arm talent to throw deep at this point. So combine those two things with the 49ers defense being among the best at at getting pressure without blitzing. The injury report on the front four to me is okay. I I never expected Arik Armstead to play in this game, but Mm -hmm. it looks like Ebu Cam came back with a limited practice on Thursday. Most importantly, Bosa is back. I think they have more than enough to get a lot of pressure on Stafford again, and they've done it over and over again. Stafford has six picks in four games against the Niners since joining the Rams, including four, I'm sorry, 16 sacks. And he was sacked seven times in the first matchup between these two teams. If Debo's out, obviously that that lowers the ceiling of the number of points the 49ers can score, but I don't think the Rams are going to score many points in this game, guys. I really don't with the, mm-hmm. the pressure that Stafford's going to get. So I'm waiting on the best number here with Debo. If he is going to play, then I'm just going to make sure I get under a field goal here. And I'm probably going to take an alt line here too, something like Niners minus six and a half, because this this matchup we've seen over and over again is one that the Rams can't figure out. New York football Giants on the road at the Seattle Seahawks. An afternoon game here for the Giants. They find themselves as three-point road underdogs. 44 and a half is your total. I'm on the New York football giants this week. I don't give a damn what the rest of the world has to say. This is a, this is a prove it game for both of these teams for sure. I mean, I am fully aware that this is a game in which it's two teams that have overperformed. And one of these teams is going to get exposed in my opinion. I just think that team's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. And if you take a look here, They're going to be without DK Metcalf, it looks like. At the very least, he would play in a very, very compromised position, which we know wide receivers, when you go out there, this hurt, you get re-injured, they come back out of the game. It's probably best to hold him out as it is anyway. The Giants blitz like hell and highest rate in the league. Geno Smith has been great so far this year. 
He has not against the blitz. He is the 22nd graded quarterback against the blitz. He's 17th graded against pressure. Now that's not bottom, bottom of the barrel, but it's not this Geno Smith statistic that everybody wants to keep pulling out. He's one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the NFL. He's one of the most efficient passers in the NFL. Well, yeah, he is when he sits in a clean pocket, not when he's pressured, not when he's blitzed. And we know for sure that is exactly what this Giants defense is going to do early and often Saquon Barkley has been an absolute beast so far this season going up against a horrible, horrible defense. He leads the, he leads the league in scrimmage yards. He leads this team in targets, receptions, all that. This is a, this to me is a spot in which you're giving me a field goal in a, in a, I think the giants are the better team. Like I think they are the better team than the Seattle Seahawks. And so Give me the field goal all day long. I'll take the three. I'll stick it in my pocket. I'm going to wait to get Adam's response here. I'll start with you, uh, Stephen. What do you see here, Giants and Seahawks? If DK is not playing, then yeah, I would be all over Giants plus three. Follow me here for a second defensively because there's some a really interesting matchup situation here with the quarterbacks. With Seattle's defense played near a league-high rate in zone defense the first three weeks of the season, and then – they went to near league high rates in, in man coverage for weeks four and five and proceeded to get gashed by the Lions and the Saints offenses. They immediately switched back to playing less than 20 percent uh, man coverage against Arizona and the Chargers, and they played really well. They held Kyler and Justin Herbert to less than five yards per, per play. The problem is Daniel Jones loves zone defense. He is top five in completion percentage and passer rating against zone defenses and bottom three versus man. So if Seattle keeps doing what they've done well this year, it's a bad matchup against Daniel Jones. And I'm sure Brian Dable sees that as well. Now, on the flip side, the Giants defense, you mentioned the, the blitzing. That also means they play the most zone. I'm sorry, they play. Uh, the most man coverage in the NFL, more than 51% this season, but it's actually gone over 60% each of the past two weeks. Geno Smith is number five in completion percentage, number six in passer rating against man defenses and much worse against zone. But here's the problem. A lot of it is DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is number three in the NFL when he's targeted against man coverage. Tyler Lockett is in the 40s when targeted against man coverage. If they don't have DK Metcalf, that is a big deal for this offense, especially against the Giants defense. So that's why I'm leading Giants plus three here. Adam, weeks four, five, six, and seven. You know, this win streak that's so fake for this New York Giant football team. Daniel Jones. Number two in the NFL in EPA plus CPOE composite. He has an adjusted EPA higher than that of Joe Burrow. We know how good he has been over the last four weeks. He has an higher, a higher EPA than Geno Smith, than, uh, even, than even Joe Burrow, than some of these other quarterbacks that have been on super hot streak. Has a higher success rate than Patrick Mahomes. It is time to give the man his due. He's playing good football. Whether you think he is the future of this team or not, that's irrelevant. We're talking about today, this week, this game, and how he's playing right now. And Daniel Jones is playing at a very high level for an NFL quarterback. Daniel Jones is being put in a position to succeed. And that has been the question for Daniel Jones throughout his young career is when was he going to be put in a position to take advantage of his talents? Uh, 
you know who's running the ball really well for the Giants this year? Sure. You want to talk about Saquon Barkley? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is running yeah. the ball really well for the Giants this year. And the and making him a running threat makes him a better quarterback, right? You talk about uh, talk about anything you want to talk about when it comes to man versus zone. You can't play as much man versus Daniel Jones when he runs the ball. That's the simple part of this in the end is that you have to play more zone against the Giants when Daniel Jones is a running threat. So look at the last few weeks. You mentioned this winning streak. Okay. Chicago, Green Bay, Baltimore, Jacksonville. Okay, we don't look at that Green Bay win as as good uh, now, but we still look at this Giants team and say the last three weeks they have been dogs and they have won outright. And so if you're going to be on either side of this game, I think you're going to be on the Giants side from a handicapping perspective, because I don't think there is a lot of daylight between Seattle and the Giants. And I think when you look at these two teams, I make it a pick uh, on the Seattle field. I make it where the Giants getting three points. I don't think it's the side of the week for me, but if I'm going to be on either side, it's going to be that because once again, the New York Giants have found a way to keep games close. And that's kind of what Brian Dable's plan is for this team. Look at what they're doing. The whole idea for the Giants is to minimize variance, right? They mm -hmm. want to take away the plays where Daniel Jones has to make a lot of big decisions, right? They, they gamble on defense with the blitz, but it's because they know that they're going to create enough situations behind the sticks that this defense doesn't have to be out there all the time. So when it comes down to it in this game, the prove it for me is more prove it on the Seattle side. Prove to me that this defense can hold up, right? Because we were talking mm -hmm. about this defense as historically bad through their first five games. Then they held down a bad Cardinals offense, and all of a sudden we're like, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe our handicap on Seattle was wrong. No, this defense is still giving up almost 27 points per game. So I think to me, I need to see Seattle prove this in this spot with or without DK Metcalf for me to believe that they're anything other than a good offense, bad defense team. Yeah, I, I listen, like I said, I think the Giants are just a better football team. And the fact that I'm getting a full field goal here, I thought was a gift. I love this bet in the account and uh, it'll be in the, my contest plays, everything across the board here. Dan Jones has been good. You just got to give it up. Got to give it up. Sunday night football is the Packers at the Bills. This is kind of beginning to be another one of those handicaps, guys. Like, look, the Bills can win this by however many points they want to win this by, and it'll just be, do they decide at any point to take their foot off the gas? One of the things we know, Adam, with the Bills is they have historically, at least over the last couple of seasons under McDermott, have beat the hell out of bad teams. Like they don't really take their foot off the gas. Like they kind of just keep going. And mainly that has been to the product, the product of they don't have much of a run game as it is anyway. So they just keep throwing and just keep scoring and keep moving down the field like over and over and over again. Um, so for me, uh, it's unbettable for me because again, it's like the bills can just choose when to take their foot off the gas, how much they want to win by. So I can't do it. Uh, you know, if you want to put the bills in a money line parlay or something like that, like with a couple other teams, so you have a winner on the week, I think that's fine. They're going to win this game. There is, the, I, I will, I am putting this all out here right now. And I said this four, four weeks ago that I would retire if, if, a le if a leg of a teaser didn't hit and then that didn't hit and I didn't retire. I will fake retire again if the bills don't <laughs> win this game against the Green Bay Packers. Like, I promise you, you can put this in a money line parlay and it's going to cash. It's just the 10 and a half, 11. I don't know, man. 10 and a half, 11 is just tough. The 47 and a half is at least somewhat interesting to me from a total perspective because I think the Bills can hang 35 on their own. 
right? So we're asking for like 13 points out of the Packers. So there's at least that as an angle. What say you, Adam? So this is a point of the season where I really like one metric that football outsiders have. It's publicly available. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, and they call it Dave. Their Dave mm -hmm. metric looks at essentially, okay, we have eight weeks into the season here. What do we know about Green Bay versus what do we have for our prior evaluation of Green Bay? And that's really important, I think, right now with a team like them, with a team like the Rams. We came in with high expectations and we're trying to say, how bad is it really? So if you look at weighted DVOA up to this point, DVOA that basically factors in who have you played, uh, 20th for Green Bay. That's jives with what we've seen, mm -hmm. right? Their Dave metric is 11. And... That, to me, when you look at them holding on there in that metric with the priors, says to me that maybe the advanced numbers say that this Green Bay team isn't all the way off the cliff yet. And when I see double digits, I, I'm going to have to. Here's the thing. This is one of those bets where I'm going to have to repeatedly say to myself in a disciplined manner, do not buy into the Aaron Rodgers has never been this big of a dog right. narrative, right? Because everything around him is wrong. The receivers are wrong. The offensive line is wrong. And most importantly, the defense is wrong. So I understand how tempting it is with Green Bay. I'm tempted by it. I can't do it. So it's like, Steve, it's like I said, it, it depends on where do we, what do we really view as this Packers team? Because again, we don't think the Rams are very good. They beat the Rams by 21. We don't think the Titans are very good. The Bills won 41 to 7. We don't think the Steelers are good. They won 38 to 3. The good teams that they played, the Dolphins, of course, they lost that game to. The Ravens, they only won by three. The Chiefs, they only won by four. So it's like bad teams, they just beat the hell out of bad teams. And so do we think that do we think that the Packers have gotten into that same discussion? with these other teams that I kind of think they have, but I mean, I would listen to you if you said that they haven't. I'm not at the point where I think they are as bad as the Steelers. I'm not at that point. Uh, and there obviously are concerns and optimism in Buffalo that this offense is historically good. Like we're getting to points where this team is rated among some of the best we've seen this century since 2000. So the ceiling is absolutely there. But I think I lean more towards Adam's side here where this is a, a lot of points, like a lot of points. And, and I thought Mo Nawara on the Beat the Closing Line podcast earlier this week laid out a lot of great reasons as well why he's betting Green Bay to cover the, such a big number here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can find that here on the channel. If it's in the podcast feed, if you're listening on audio, uh, I thought he made a compelling case. And I thought Adam just made a compelling case as well that this is this is a very large number for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, just uh, again, I, like I said, dating back to last season, just I just throwing this out there, just throwing this out there like. McDerm McDermott just doesn't take his foot off the gas, right? Like they beat Miami 35 to nothing. They beat Washington 43, 21. They beat Houston 40 to nothing. They beat Miami again, 26, 11. They beat the jets 45, 17. They beat the saints 31 to six. They beat Carolina 31, 14. They beat Atlanta 29, 15. They beat the jets again, 27, 10. Like they just, they just beat the hell out of bad teams. Like they just completely destroy bad teams. And McDermott just doesn't, for whatever reason, take his foot off the gas. But like I said, not in the account, just did want to throw 
that out there. Guys, as always, everything we do, absolutely free. Please hit that subscribe button down below. Let us know in the comment section how you are playing the game this week. We will have a full breakdown of Monday Night Football here on the very channel Monday night, uh, Monday morning, so be sure and tune in. Sneak peek, I am on Bengals minus three, even with the Jamar Chase news. I still think that that is uh, a bettable number there for Cincinnati. Big, 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 big advantage for them in this game and a couple of different metrics. But again, tune in here on Monday morning for that complete breakdown. If you want to follow Adam at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. You want to follow Steven at Steven Anderson, one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown, M2. Discord over on thelines.com, upper right-hand corner. Get in there and do some discussing with us as well. Good luck on all your bets here in week eight.